0: Welcome to Open House Podcast with James Tatum. This podcast is about conversations that we have in the gym everything from training methods, techniques, massage, and other odd topics that come up. So make sure you subscribe, leave a review, it helps us out a lot. On today's episode, I'm joined by Josh Gibson from the Philosophical Weightlifter Podcast. And Seb Ostrowicks from a Weightlifting House. Hey, what's up, guys? We got uh, Josh and Seb here today. What's going on, guys? Not yeah, too not much.
1: I've actually yeah. never been introduced before Seb, so that was pleasant. I, 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 I much like deserving. that.
2: Oh. I think that's deserving right now. In terms of like ranking us as podcasters, <laughs> I, I have dropped off the wagon so hard I deserve to be last. So, yeah, that's fair. Uh, thanks for having us, James. This yeah,
0: cool. well, I'm reading left to right right here, um, mm-hmm. just so we don't put any uh, any any more meaning to where it uh, maybe doesn't belong. But <laughs> <laughs> we're we're in left to right. I don't want this like contest between you guys getting yeah. getting too heated. But uh, yeah,
2: yeah, no, this is good. I I actually um. Before we started this, we were talking briefly about your podcast and history, mm-hmm. and I used to listen to the Weightlifting Scoop, like, religiously, mm-hmm. way before I was doing anything interesting in weightlifting, just when I was, you know, training. Um, I used to love them. Mm-hmm. You, Travis, getting Glenn on sometimes. Um, yeah, very cool to... it was I had the same thing when I went on with John North that one time. I was like, this is cool, because I listened to you before I was doing anything. So to actually be on a podcast with you on yours is very fun. So
0: appreciate it. Yeah, nice. Yeah. That, uh, that was pretty fun back then. So I think mm-hmm. it started out, John, John started his first. Right. Um, and, um, it, what's his called weightlifting talk? Yeah. Yeah. So that's like the pretty good cause there's that, uh, that's kind of like the famous, you know, talk show name, something, something mm-hmm. talk. Yeah, And, um, uh, you know, he started off and he was on muscle driver too with us. And then, uh, then he kind of split off and did his own thing. And then we were kind of like, Oh, well, we kind of like doing podcasts and, uh, <laughs> You know that Travis kind of led that whole um, mm-hmm. the starting of his, mm-hmm. and uh, it kind of made like a, I don't know, like a little name with his uh, his name, mm-hmm. you know, weightlifting scoop, Travis Coop. Um, yeah, yeah. So that's kind of like where he kind of got that name, and, and oh. we just kind of went with it. Well, I will I never say,
2: drew that comparison. I n- I never clocked the scoop Coops in.
0: No, yeah. I never did either. So. Yeah. Yeah, because I mean, there's the scoop with like, you know, the transition right. of the knees into the bar and everything. Gotcha. Yeah. And, oh, I didn't even get that. I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah.
2: I thought it was like, what's the scoop on weightlifting? And, and there
0: you good. go. You get the third one. So it's like the <laughs> selling yeah, name. And I will um, say with that
1: podcast, for me, I think it paved the way in terms of just the quality of, of content in that you yeah. would get on Glenn, Jared Fleming. I mean, a variety of guests explore a variety of topics, but they were pretty in depth conversations. It wasn't just, you know, the, the basic stuff you'd hear every time you tune into a podcast mm-hmm. it was much more detailed than that. So I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I used to actually love the ones where it, I think it was even before the weightlifting scoop where it was weightlifting talk. Yeah. MD and you would go on occasionally. Mm-hmm. So, like I found that a really fun dynamic mm-hmm. because you and John temperamentally come across as very really right. different. And also you were really pushing him at the time in the snatch kind of, I remember when you hit that double body weight, one sixty, weighing 80 and it was like, even for me over in the UK, I was just like, this is the most insane thing I've seen. And for him to be a low 60, mid 60 snatcher as well, but a couple of classes up made for very entertaining training sessions. And then also podcast together.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We had a, uh, we had a lot of fun training there. Uh, Cause back then we were just kind of like in the corner of a warehouse and, right. um, uh, there was uh there was just an office in the front and then we would like, you know, haul all these mics over there and just set up the podcast and in between training sessions and right. And then uh we'd either, you know, talk about training, talk about competition, talk some crap, you know. <laughs> just mm-hmm. whatever worked. Yeah, it was uh it was fun. Glenn definitely knew how to set up a training mm-hmm. environment for people to like thrive in and go after each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I,
1: what I thought was one of the most interesting things is you get so, and this is kind of how Instagram is. It's curated in a way where you get like one perspective. So you'd watch like the the video that Glenn would take, but anytime you got an opposite shot at the warehouse, it was such an out of place setting with like a bunch of platforms against a wall, and then there was just yeah. equipment all along it. There were dogs. It was like a lot of just like random stuff going on, but it was like the most heated training sessions you could imagine yeah. in yeah. the middle of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, you know, you had like forklifts driving by. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, you know what they had? They had this stuff. They, uh, they had giant pallets of plates there, mm-hmm. and they used to use this stuff to like clean the plates before they would print on them, because uh, they would uh, they would print. You know, they do custom prints or do screen printing. Pretty much is what they did on the plates, mm-hmm. and um, you know, Travis used to get this headache when. Mm. He'd be lifted next to these, like people cleaning these plates with this spray. And so um, finally, we read the, um, you know, we read the bottle and like the little aerosol can, and it was like, may cause central nervous system depression. And like, <laughs> that's the opposite of what you want as a weight <laughs> so we're in training in this warehouse, and they've got this, like, you know, toxic fumes that are making us slower, but then we're still just in there training hard and pushing it. Right. You know. yeah. Um, yeah. And that. They just kind of threw that together like, Mm -hmm. you know, we've got this little bit of space. You guys can use it. We'll put drywall here and paint it. You know, everything else (laughs) is is a mess.
2: It's crazy because like from my perspective watching it, it looked so professional. Yeah. Especially compared to Cal Strength, which, you know, was the place where a few of the team were training at before. Mm -hmm. Um, But then knowing that really it was just part of a larger room that was used for equipment is kind of crazy. Yep. Um, did, so did I I've, I've heard this before. Did Am I right in saying that MDUSA was actually selling making and selling plates to rogue?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Yeah, they used to they used to uh make all the rogue. So we went in there one day and we saw the rogue stuff and we're mm-hmm. just like what's all this stuff and they're like don't tell anybody. <laughs> 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 we make we make rogue's plates. <laughs> yeah. So uh at that time Muscle Driver had uh the, I don't know, the connection with the guy we're in the, at the company over in China that was making all of those plates.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, so I think I've, I've actually heard some kind of crazy stories from that. Um, so they, they had the connection there and then kind of Rogue wanted to get in on those plates. And, mm-hmm. You know, they were trying to get in there. So Muscle Driver was like, all oh, right, you guys can just buy them from us. So they were really the same plates
4: mm-hmm. from
0: Rogue and Muscle Driver. And then, uh, i think when muscle driver was kind of like going under they stopped paying them um and i think they actually sent somebody over to like be an employee at muscle driver to kind of like find out what was wow. going on uh after the fact and mm-hmm. uh and now you could still buy those plates um mm-hmm. now that's uh, i forget the name of the company but they like i think that employee set up somebody else here in charlotte to uh, you know continue oh, really? selling those plates Mm-hmm. And they don't sell them like Muscle Driver used to do. It's just like they only, start a real wholesaler. They only mm-hmm. sell them to, you know, um, companies that need to print them. Um, so I think oh, like wow. like Dan Rose has a um, an equipment company. It starts with an E, Epimony, Plates. Yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah. He sells them to them. Um, and then this company sells them to to Sornex. I think mm. I actually even got like... Uh, the same plates when I bought all my plates from Sornex, yeah. And how are they? Yeah, and I just got uh, I got House of Weightlifting my gym's name printed on there, and uh, yeah. Then uh, and they came from Charlotte, so you know I was like, oh, okay, yeah, this makes sense.
1: Are they like a, a decent plate? Like you
0: you like using them? Uh, they're they're an economy plate. Yeah, um, it's it's interesting because the quality kind of goes up and down. And mm-hmm. you saw that at kind of Muscle Driver too. Like when we, when we originally had our plates down there at Muscle Driver, they were pretty good. And we trained like nonstop on them and they lasted a really long time. Right. And, uh, then, uh, then I, I have gotten a bad batch before mm-hmm. of like the black plates seem to be pretty solid cause it's a little bit more dense. Uh, but then all my like 10 kilo plates in this one batch just kind of like crumbled. Mm-hmm. And like, I still have, uh, you know, 10 kilo plates from uh, Muscle Driver that I bought mm-hmm. when I was an athlete. So that was in like 2015 that are holding up. And then newer ones kind of like, eh, they fell apart in the gym, just getting everyday use. And then, uh, and I think that might have just been a, like a batch because I've gotten more since then than they've lasted. You know, they're not like, um, they're not like uh, Usaka's, you know, mm-hmm. where they're going right. to last forever. You know? Right.
2: Interesting. It's funny because literally just before this, Josh and I were doing a podcast and someone asked a question about a weightlifting house plate's going to come back into stock soon. And I was like, no, it's too difficult to do logistically, like getting them made on the other side of the world and get them in is just so tough. And then you're just sat here telling me about a manufacturer in the US who literally manufacturers there so now i'm just thinking to myself oh, maybe i should reach out to yeah. this person and mm-hmm. find yeah. out who they
0: are yeah yeah um, i mean i could put you in contact with them after if you wow. like. yeah, that should be quite <laughs>
2: <vintage>. <laughs> <laughs> it was worth coming on this podcast <laughs> yeah
1: and then james i did have a question about muscle driver because i think there were two distinct eras of muscle driver there was when it was kind of like in the corner of the mm-hmm. warehouse and then it was when it was like a built out kind of like almost like a training facility or what it felt like where everything was painted black they started bringing in more athletes it started mm. becoming more of a team and less of just kind of like a band of brothers who would kind of like train heavy um what was that dynamic like did you feel a shift when you guys went from kind of like a row of platforms on the back of a wall to having like more of that facility built out more of the team kind of brought in
2: but it was a shift in athletes as well wasn't it was it? a because shift in athletes when- too yeah you, chris goot left and, yep. and john north left donnie donnie left. yeah kevin left and then you got a new wave come in
0: yeah yeah so kevin well so, so donnie left pretty quick mm-hmm. uh uh donnie and uh the old owner of muscle driver kind of got in like a clash um and so hef, donnie was,
2: something half uh,
0: brad Hess. Brad, oh yeah brad Hess. Brad yeah and so they clashed pretty uh, pretty hard um, so he left pretty quick when I was there. So that would probably happened in like, like 2012, mm-hmm. shortly after he broke his neck at nationals. Yeah. Um, and then he kind of had his own little journey there. Um, yeah. and then John stuck around for a while and then he opened up a little gym mm-hmm. and, uh, he kind of kept good relationship with the muscle driver cause he was staying in Charlotte. And then, mm-hmm. And then after that, I think he went up to like Mash or something. I'm Mm -hmm. not sure exactly, but uh, I I don't remember when Kevin left. Um, Kevin was fun to train with, and he had a girlfriend that he was getting pretty serious with, and I think she was like ready to get out of Charlotte. Yeah. Um, But uh, so then we moved to the the other warehouse, and the it was really it was actually just across the street. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still live in Fort Mill so it's actually right down the road for me. Oh, cool. Which is kind of funny. You can drive by it every once in a while and kind of yeah. it's it's still empty. Um there's yeah. still not a company in there since Moss Survivor, because there's a 122,000 square foot building. Wow. Wow, that's huge. There's not m- many businesses that are going to use that, right? <clears throat> yeah, and then uh, so we moved over to this other gym and uh, we really just kind of kept all the platforms together and kind of mm-hmm. came kept that same straight line type of training facility. So where all the weightlifting actually happened, it was about in the same space, hmm. which makes sense for a weightlifting gym, you know, not to have it too spread out. Uh, but we used the same platforms. Um, and then eventually we just kind of built out, The team kind of helped put down all those like rubber horse stall mats. And they got the, uh, they got the walls painted. And, uh, when we first walked in there, it was like a jungle. Like there was wires hanging down. Um, it was just a mess of a building and then they finally kind of came in and did it. Uh, they built bathrooms, which were nice. Um, mm-hmm. before we were just like, uh, using like one little tiny bathroom with paint fumes everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that's where they rinsed all the, uh, it was the same bathroom where they rinsed all the, uh, the screen printing stuff. And it was oh, just wow,
4: like,
0: yeah, it was, um, uh, so it was definitely nicer and they built the bathrooms out and they were nice. Um, so then the shift kind of happened as uh as we started getting more people in. Uh Chris Goot was uh, he got in some trouble. He was mm. he was having uh somebody shipping weed from Maryland, uh from uh California and mm. into, at the Glenn's house because he was living with Glenn. And uh okay. so it showed up uh it showed up open, so the post office was Ooh. like like tracking him. And so then, uh, so then Chris got in trouble and uh, had to get sent back to California for like, I don't know, legal reasons. And um, last I heard, all of those charges got dropped because, mm-hmm. you know, it was legal in California. I don't know. There's yeah just-
2: something like that, yeah,
0: yeah. But he was a he was a good uh, he was a good weightlifter. It mm-hmm. was good to have in the gym. You know, he, he was-, was a
2: lot of fun to watch. There were a few videos on the MDSU. MD USA page with you versus him Mm -hmm. and this is back when you're snatching like in the 30s kind of range Um, and regularly he would go ahead Mm -hmm. and then you would take it back at the end and you know that was when your technique you were still early on you transitioned from powerlifting I guess and it was rugged and you just leapt under these weights um, and it was so much fun to watch those videos and, and Glenn would, you know, you'd hear him commenting over the top, trying to rile you guys up like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't think James is going to hit this and that sort of stuff, but I used to just love watching those videos, it was so much fun.
0: Yeah, that was definitely Chris's element was mm-hmm. like in yeah. the training hall, like uh, but I think you would have seen him on international stages if he mm-hmm. could have recreated what he did in the gym mm-hmm. on a competition platform. Right. It was just that there was that slight disconnect because, um, I mean, his best competition total was nowhere near like what his actual capability was. Mm-hmm. And then you saw that capability kind of come out in some of these training sessions. And yeah, uh, yeah it was a lot of fun because mm-hmm. he was very explosive. He was very yeah. fast. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So he was around for a while. Um, he was like. Yeah. Chris is funny. Like if you think of an older Bulgarian weightlifter, like you would think that he would fit in well, like um, takes a smoke break in between snatching <laughs> finger, Like, yeah, snatches. Yeah. Um, knees always hurting, you know, <laughs> so, Deadpool, uh, everything. Yeah. <laughs> so that, uh, yeah. that was Chris. Uh, so, uh, I don't even know if he's still weightlifting. I haven't heard anything from him really since then, but,
2: uh, I got in touch with him actually a few years ago, tried to get him on the podcast. Uh, He gave me his WhatsApp number to ring him and I tried and get through. And then I don't think anything happened Mm -hmm. after that. But someone then sent me a video of him lifting and it was in, it was like a, it was probably like a one thirty five snatch. One of the most ridiculous dark walks I've ever seen, but it was in a place that certainly wasn't MD USA, Mm -hmm. but I I don't, I don't believe he's doing it anymore Mm -hmm. because I guess we'd see him in competitions.
0: Yeah, well, I don't know if he ever really liked competition. I think he liked training. Mm-hmm. So maybe he's out there still training maybe. You know, um, every well, once in a while. But yeah, yeah. so then that the shift in muscle driver kind of happened as, uh, you know, when we were in the warehouse, we were kind of far away from like the business side of it. And then when we moved to the, the main part of it, mm-hmm. it's like we got closer to the business side of it. And I should say that is kind of where the shift kind of happened. Yeah, you know, they um, the the owner Brad got more involved uh, when before it was literally like just Glenn. Mm -hmm. And I think Brad realized that, like, um, Glenn would like post at the end of one of these little videos and be like, "Hey, we just came out with this squat rack. You guys should buy one." Like, yeah. And then people were like buying them, and he's like, "Oh." this is how we're selling. Like I think he kind of realized that or something. And then they started getting more involved. And
2: So and what then, was he tra- was he trying to like fill the videos up with ads and like, in what way was he getting involved?
0: <clears throat> I think he was trying to get involved in like, so the way that Brad would get involved, um, so Glenn had his his uh his issues with like uh, like substance abuse and you mm-hmm. know alcoholism. I think um I think when he went with you I think he was mostly so, sober but he was yeah. like when I first started coaching him he would be like he was a heavy drinker. He'd drink mm-hmm. every night and then it was even worse prior to that and um so I think Brad had his same vices and maybe a couple more and I think he would like get on these like spurs of like sobriety and then like be super involved. And then I think he was also kind of like, um, yeah, so he would, he would get too involved in a way. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then he would like be gone for like two months in rehab. Uh, so it was just like, there was lots of like ups and downs with, with him being involved. And I think he liked poking at people. And so then he would kind of cause drama and like, you know, put people against each other. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So he was, I would say, you know, like, you know, he actually blamed uh, the fall of MDUSA on Glenn, but, um, it was, it was that dude. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, they, uh, I, he would get involved and, you know, one, the stipends went up, which was good. There was more money kind of coming into it. Um, then mm-hmm. the other thing is, is you know, he uh, he picked a fight with Ursula in the, uh, I think it was the 2014 nationals.
2: Mm-hmm. Who, Brad or Glenn?
0: Brad. <laughs> okay, because uh, I remember
2: Glenn always saying that Ursula had a thing against him, and he couldn't work out why.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: um, and it must have been that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, I. Yeah, Brad. Uh, yeah, Brad picked a fight with uh, with Ursula, so he just tried to like um, power through him, power through her. And just uh, it, it didn't work well with Ursula. Yeah, uh, no. yeah, she's pretty uh, pretty strong. Mess with <laughs> Ursula. <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, because uh, it was Texas Barbell that she was running, mm-hmm. um, and she was teamed up with Coffee's Gym at that time. And so, like the men's team was Texas Barbell, and the women's team was Coffee's Barbell or Coffee's mm-hmm. Gym. And um, so Jared joined our team kind of last minute, uh, Jared Fleming and. Yeah. Colin Burns joined their team kind of last minute. And then there was just all this drama about like, gotcha. you know, whose points should count? Did they get it The transfer to the team transfer in time for those points to count for this national championship, you know, team winning. Mm-hmm. So it was like, um, they got in this big, uh I don't know, big fight. Um, I can't even remember all the specifics and, uh, Ursula didn't back down. And then, uh, Yeah, I forget where I was kind of going with that. But, you know, they caused all that kind of drama. And I'm I'm sure that kind of bled through on Glenn. So Glenn was very non-confrontational. He just wanted people to do weightlifting and to, uh, you know, get better at weightlifting. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so he was like trying to diffuse this situation where Brad would be like poking at Glenn and then he'd be poking at Ursula. And uh, then he just caused more and more stuff there. And so then, uh, then for a while, like even Brad, uh, after we won the national championships or something, they uh, they got us like um, pinstripe uh, pinstripe uh, shirts, which I guess is something to do with like the New York Yankees and how nobody likes them or something. But they still won. Wow. And so like, like he was into that type of stuff. Like he liked yeah. that, like sport drama, um, which you know makes sense why some people wouldn't like it you know that yeah he was yeah. trying to be the bad guy on the team mm-hmm, right you know i guess the new york uh, yankees like had all the money they had all the wins you know they right. were like oh we're buying all our athletes
4: mm-hmm.
0: um so mm-hmm. it was like a i don't know he was in there to cause drama mm-hmm, and i think mm-hmm. that's where i guess that was my point of that whole thing is that brad was kind of like wanting to influence the um uh, the role of the team and um, or influence his role of the team, and you know, make it fun for him. But then it wasn't mm-hmm. as successful all around.
4: Yeah, yeah, is
1: that why they were bringing in so many like high profile athletes? Is just to kind of like beef up the roster, so to speak, and add like Holly Mangold. I mean, Ethan, like Ethan, Jared, all those guys that Trevor. were really well known yeah. and
0: already developed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Holly just. I think Glenn and Holly, that was their thing, because mm. I think okay. uh, I think that was like a, a genuine thing. Like Holly needed a place to train, gotcha. Glenn liked Holly and wanted to coach her. Um. Um, I would say, like the I, they did something with Elizabeth Ack and Wally. Mm-hmm. They were yeah. trying to do something there because they were. Uh, you remember that guy's name that used to run uh, Outlaw Barbell or Outlaw CrossFit or.
4: Balbole yeah.
0: is what it was called. Um, Rudy. Is. Rudy Nelson. Yep. That was him. And they yeah. tried to do like this business deal with him where Rudy was selling uh, equipment and stuff for Muscle Driver. And uh, then they brought on Elizabeth Akinwally because she was associated with them as like a CrossFit slash weightlifting athlete. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then Rudy, uh, from what I understand, he uh, – he, Sold a bunch of equipment to all those people and then never gave Muscle Driver any of the money. <laughs> Jeez. So, you yeah. know, that's rough.
2: Yeah. And then I remember Glenn used to say that part of the sort of the downfall was, you know, he went, I can't remember the, the exact order. I don't know if he'd brought in, um, I'm blanking his name now. Uh, coach who invented the catapult method?
1: Oh, Don McCauley.
2: Don. He brought in Don, and then you know Glenn had his coma, and then and then Travis turned up, and then the the Wilks dad turned up, and there were just lots of coaches in the same place, and he said that that became quite tense.
0: Yeah, especially when you have Brad who is pinning yeah. them against each other. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So Glenn was very open. He uh, so even when we when we were in the old warehouse. Glenn would uh, invite Don over to, like, mm-hmm. like um, I don't know, Don would talk to Glenn and be like, hey, I think these guys could do well with this technique adjustment. And Glenn would be like, mm-hmm. all right, you know, come yeah. talk to him. See if it works. And that was yeah. just kind of Glenn's attitude. just like, if it works, it works. Mm-hmm. And uh, Don was willing to come over and kind of work with us a little bit. And, um, you know, it clicked for a few people. Um, Don had a... Uh, A weird way of saying things. Mm -hmm. Um, I always kind of equated him to like the, you know, the 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 artist versus the engineer, you know, Don was the artist, you know, it's like what he's saying is not correct. Mm -hmm. But it might make you do something and then in the end, you come out with a good painting. Right. Um, So Don would say all these weird things. And sometimes, you know, the way that he would say them would kind of encourage you know, the things that he said would really encourage people to move around the bar with good control rather mm-hmm. than just kind of dropping the bottom. Mm-hmm. You know, he would say it's a catapult, which is kind of weird, and then he'd be like, Oh, that's not quite right, it's a trebuchet, and then he'd go off <laughs> and just you know, he wouldn't, didn't quite understand um, the engineering of it and um, no. or the biomechanics of it. But he could get someone to kind of move a little bit faster. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I have to say I always understood what they meant when they were talking about the catapult i got it but i didn't understand right how that was similar to a catapult yeah so rather than like pulling back and maybe that's the loading of the hamstrings and the posterior and then you let go and you ping through but like that was kind of both styles of technique really that that Mm. was happening anyway so i never really understood why it was called the catapult
0: yeah well it's that that emotional attachment to the word catapult like oh i'm about to like destroy some shit and make this stuff go through a giant castle wall, (laughs) you know, like I'm about to throw this weight into that castle, you know, it's just like it, it, um, it has some weight to it. Right. And I think, I think that's a valuable thing as a coach to know, like what has weight Mm -hmm. and what words don't, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. biomechanics and, uh, triple extension doesn't have the same amount of weight as, you know, unless, the athlete can make it have that amount of weight. So yes, that's yeah. kind of where Glenn's, uh, sorry, Don style was. Yeah. Um, and he was a good addition for a while cause mm-hmm. he was very involved in training. Um, and then they, they worked well together and, uh, then Glenn had a stroke and then, uh, pretty much Don became in charge of like the whole team. And, uh, and he was picking up and dropping Glenn off every morning from training. And, uh, it was a lot of work. And like, I think Don kind of felt like it wasn't his job and he kind of came, became resentful a little bit Mm -hmm. of the whole situation. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and it's, it's really like kind of like nobody's fault. Maybe like, right. Maybe somebody else should have been in charge of, you know, helping Glenn. Um, but Don felt like he was in charge of helping Glenn. And, uh, so then, eventually, you know, he just kind of they got kind of bitter. Um, I think eventually they kind of worked it worked it out. But you know, they're both uh, um, well. Don Don was definitely kind of a bitter person. Yeah, mm. yeah. So he would uh, he would kind of hold hold his weightlifting grudges. Mm. And he was very strongly opinionated. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, there which, was a lot of
2: anger from Glenn towards Don that I felt when I spoke to him um a lot of unresolved tension i suppose but
0: yeah kind yeah. of makes sense yeah i know they just kind of got su- stuck in that situation and it was just kind of like a shame. it just wasn't fair on either end of it yeah, yeah. so mm.
2: yeah it is a shame
1: but i will say i think the one thing i did notice is that both guys had a huge impact on people's lives and mm. i think there's a lot of meaning there even if like to each other, they were kind of resentful and and upset. Like, the people they did impact, like Sean Rigsby, um, Taylor Harris, and then obviously the people Glenn impacted, like, they had a profound, like, impact and Mm meeting with people. So, you know, something good came of it, even if they both didn't see eye to eye.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Yeah. they, uh... I mean, yeah, if you bring it back down to, like, the beginning when they started, it was, like, it was all about progress and they were both excited about that situation that they were in and they working well together. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's just the way things kind of went. I think if things kind of went a different direction from there, I think it would have been a completely different story. Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Politics just get in the way of these sorts of things, which is a shame.
0: Yeah. 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 Do you yeah.
2: have a, um, a preferred era of MD USA? Like was it the the Chris Goot Donny Kevin John era or the more professional, uh, era with the other coaches. Hmm. I'm sure there are rose-tinted glasses framing both, um, but even so,
0: yeah, uh, I'd say all of it until about 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, right. about halfway through 2015, it was kind of like, all right, this is you know, it's getting a little out of hand. Did you um, feel hard
2: done by but that? Because you were like one of the front runners for the Olympics, and then you know, ended up without anywhere to train?
0: No, because I still did pretty good. um, As far as like, like at the Olympic trials, I hit a, uh, I got called for a press out, but if I, I, uh, I did a 156, 185, which was like a a 341 and uh, my best was a 344. And uh, I think that was a little bit after that. Um, So I was, I was in shape you know, I was motivated. Uh, we were training in the garage. I don't, uh, I was still training with Travis, um, another gym out here in Charlotte kind of opened up their doors for us. Um, so I was in shape. I think the, uh, the way the selection of the Olympics happened that year was, uh, we had to qualify our one male spot at the, uh, Pan American championships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of the way that that worked out is, uh, um, Norick didn't show up. Uh Alex Lee bombed. And so in order to get the amount of points, we had no wiggle room. Mm-hmm. Uh so with those two things happening, like every single person had to make a total. So then the coaches were like, Hey, you need to open up light. Yeah. Um, and so I actually went out there and uh so we opened up lighter. Like at the Olympic trials I opened up at one fifty one and then Pan Am's. I had to open up at like one forty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh actually missed it. <laughs> you know, I went right behind me, which was uh you know, just a dumb mistake. Uh yeah. and that kind of set me up to have a low total. I think I only totaled uh three thirty three there. Mm-hmm. Uh and that was the one where I had to like have a I had to make sure I had a total so that the t- team USA could get a spot and mm-hmm. then I had to progress on it. Right. Um and I think even if I, like, had done my best total at Pan Am's, Kendrick's total was still kind of far ahead of mine. Yeah. You know, so yeah. he definitely, like, you know, he knew how to perform in those high-risk uh, those yeah. high risk, uh, situations. And, you know, he came out there with the total he needed. Because I think it was um, – I think after that it was the order of, like, uh, the Olympic team, it was Kendrick in first – and then uh then it was it might have been Kane and then yeah. Travis and Donovan and then me yeah mm-hmm. um and the, the those other three might be a little bit mixed up in there i don't remember who was 2 3 and 4 mm-hmm. but uh yeah so it's just like kind of the way that that went and um i don't really have any like um you know negative feelings about that All right Because that was the best that I could have done at that competition. Um, I went in there, we made the total, we got the one spot that we needed. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I remember watching that
2: competition, uh, the Olympic trials from my, it was like 2 AM in the UK. And I remember being in bed with the lights off and I had my phone and there was a guy whose name I'm blanking, who you trained with for a while who was quite good, but never great. He was like a 140, 170 guy. Um, and you used to have him on the podcast sometimes. And he was filming and posting all of the lifts to his story. Uh, his name wasn't Bergner, but it was almost like that, I think.
0: Yeah, um, you're probably talking about Trevor. Um, was it Matt Bergeron?
2: Matt Bergeron. Yeah, it was Matt.
0: Yeah, oh, not Matt.
2: Britain. Yeah, Matt Bergeron. He was Trevor posting Britain. it to a story, and I was so obsessed with USA weightlifting at the time that I remember like, it's. I mean, now you know there were there were bigger <laughs> meets going, but like back then, I was just so excited. I knew everyone, I knew everyone's records, and just lying there at like two a.m. just watching it. Yeah, uh, it was a lot of fun. I remember when, Ke- when um, Kendrick came out, and I was mm. I was so shocked. I didn't expect him to be in that kind of shape.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, he—it's uh, nice. like all of a sudden he learned how to snatch. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Like, laughs> Hit these huge snatches. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the um, that was a fun meet. Mm-hmm. You know, they definitely went all out for that meet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah,
2: I mean, that was when there were like two two sessions. I think so. Mm-hmm. If you were in the first yeah. one, you're at a disadvantage because the heavier people could see what you got and then know what they needed to do roughly to kind of beat that for their rankings. I think.
0: Yeah, well, I think it was still one session.
2: Oh was it? okay
0: it, it was two sessions like a male session and a female session but still the heavyweight yeah. people would be having their you know they you know it's just the nature of all yeah yeah of all weightlifting competitions I guess yeah yeah, um, yeah we still kind of had an idea that one really kind of hurt like um the really lightweight people mm-hmm. like I think mm-hmm. Derek Johnson came out with a pretty good total but it's just like oh all right so we know which one to hit okay Yeah. Right. Like, one kilo more than him, you know? Yeah, it's harsh. Um, so, yeah. like, that uh, if that's, that's just the terrible part about being a lightweight person. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And then I know Seb and I, we were privileged to watch, you know, when you joined MDUSA, you had that four-year span up until the trials where it was, like, a lot of great lifting. You know, we were able to witness all of it after 2016 i don't like i haven't heard you talk much about kind of up until this point or or seen much or like i i see lifts right i see the the odd lift here and there but after 2016 i'd just be interested in hearing your commentary on like how the next four years went and where your mindset was at if, if you were kind of like off the tail end of that trying to gun for another quad or if you had other plans like the last four years what what were you kind of thinking about in terms of your lifting and what your goals were? Yeah. So
0: I, uh, I made the 2017 Pan Ams and, uh, two weeks before I actually, um, I ended up getting nerve damage in my, uh, shoulder. So, um, uh, it was, a it was an axillary nerve and, uh, I was just, I couldn't even lift my shoulder. So they ended up saying it was a stretch injury. Uh, and so it was just, I just got really weak in my left shoulder. And then I couldn't uh, couldn't hold any weight overhead, so mm-hmm. that uh, that kind of slowed things down for quite a while. That's when I uh, that's when I wrote that GPP book, and then you know. I uh, then in then, uh, a year later I opened up the gym mm-hmm. in 2018, and uh, yeah. So then you know that the shoulders kind of always kind of limited me a little bit since then because it's a it's a kind of a weird injury like it uh when you give nerve damage it doesn't really hurt um things just get a little bit weaker so then i would have like some compensation going on and then when i would start compensating for things that then i would have pain so then i kind of got stuck um i would train some and um uh, i'd get to i don't know i think i got to like 145 175 again uh and then i would like uh i think at the meet that i hit 145 75 then i had to take a while off of overhead work again after that so then it's just kind of like yeah limited your ability to kind of train straight uh yeah. so the uh you know i still kind of have issues with like with like shoulder stability and stuff so i actually just started a different sport to kind of like use this other sport as a little bit of gpp to kind of You know, activate uh, Mm. some muscles that are uh, not used to getting activated or just uh, that I've gotten too specialized in weightlifting that I'm not getting um, some of these other muscles to activate. Mm -hmm. And weightlifting, meaning like even like bodybuilding type stuff, because, you know, I've been doing it since I was a kid, you know, just lifting weights nonstop. Uh, Yeah. So to uh, just get my body kind of back. You know, 100%. And it kind of never really got all the way back up after that nerve damage. Um, but I'll probably still compete, at least at nationals, kind of every year.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I have no real, like, strong desires to make uh, make international teams anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was definitely fun when it, when it lasted. But I was trying to go for that 20 Olympics. Gotcha. At the start of the quad.
2: Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah, I remember one video that Travis posted, Travis Mash, uh, back when he had quite a big team in that gym. And you turned up, I think, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I remember remember this. You turned up with a couple of others from the old MDU SA team. I remember thinking like, oh my God, this is so exciting. Can you imagine if they now join this team? And at the back (laughs) of my mind, I knew you wouldn't really. But I remember that training session, You know, seeing sort of these two worlds collide again, where we had the new uh, we had Dylan Cooper and, and Damron uh, Damron that lot. And then you guys who were sort of the veterans turning up. I remember enjoying that, that video.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was fun. Uh, yeah. cause that was Travis's like little tiny, like hole in the wall gym. And they just mm. had so many people in yeah, that gym crazy. Yeah. and, uh, it was definitely a fun training environment.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think I remember we went there and, uh, I guess we showed up late. I don't remember exactly. Nathan had already finished maxing out on snatch. And then we got right. there. And then he was like, oh, I'll go again. And <laughs> um, so then I beat him in the snatch. And then he, uh, then I took a rest after snatch. And he got mad. And I don't know if he got mad. But he was like worked up. And uh, so then he maxed out on snatch again. and wow. uh, So then he maxed out on snatch three times. Oh, my God. And uh, I don't remember if he ended up he beat what he had done like the second time, mm-hmm. but he didn't, he didn't end up beating me right? in the, like how much I snatched that day. Yeah. And so then he, uh, then he clean and jerks with us. And, uh, again, I, uh, I think he beat me in the clean and jerk, but then I still out him. <laughs> and then I think he got worked up again. Like after that. And then like, Maxed out on clean and jerk again, and then beat me in the total. And it was just like, I was like, man, this guy's got some work capacity. Crazy yeah, guy. that's insane. You know, I mean, I to be
2: fair, if you squat three hundred kilos, it takes a lot less <laughs> out of you to clean jerk one eighty a few times in a day than if you squat two fifty. But yeah, yeah, I think yeah. for some of these gyms, like you know, Cal Strength had it, um, Mash had it, mm-hmm. it existed at MD for a while as well, where it's like this really intense, fiery, passionate training environment, it can sort of only last so long, you know, it, it, you you just can't burn, you know, as strongly as that for too long. Um, and they have these moments in time where it's incredibly fun and the progress made is huge, but it, it takes a stress on the relationships, on personal development, on, you know, you just get tired from it. And then these gyms sort of crop up and then they go down. Um, and then there are other gyms that sort of last a bit longer. that maybe don't come across as so exciting, but they they've sort of nailed how it needs to be long term for for success.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's an interesting perspective because that's you know that's kind of how how training goes. You know, if you yeah. uh, there's just right. that small window where you can train at that crazy. max out effort all the time and yeah. you make these crazy gains and you get a lot of publicity
3: yeah,
0: and a lot of excitement around it, but it really is. I mean, it's a, it's a short window of time, you know, you, you know, you've, depending on when you come in, you probably only have, you know, maybe four years yeah. to be able to train like that, especially if you have a good base and then a lot of other people, you know, if you don't have that base, you know, you, uh, you got six months, you know, I right. think you got injured.
1: Well, and you you were in that exact environment for you. Was it the competition that drove you every day to, to go as hard as possible? Because like you just said, I mean, you, you burn too hot and eventually the flame goes out. And I think with that training style, which is what Glenn, you know, championed competition first, um, let's see what you can do on the day, try and beat your training partner by one kilo. How'd you
0: sustain that as long as you did? So I, uh, I came from powerlifting and, uh, my powerlifting coach, so not even the normal powerlifting, uh, and my powerlifting coach was really influenced by Charles Poliquin and mm-hmm. Poliquin does a lot of like structural balance stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in my powerlifting training, um, uh, there was a lot of variety, you know, I was never that great at powerlifting, but we had, you know, we would, we would train and it would be a variety of. Of, you know, a bunch of different exercises. All right. So it's, it's a mixture between Charles Poliquin and, uh, and Westside Barbell Mm -hmm. is kind of how I started up. Um, you know, a little bit of like, you gotta be strong from the Westside because Charles never really trained that many strong people unless Mm -hmm. they were strong to start with. Um, but then you gotta be balanced and, Mm. you know, safe, which is kind of comes in from the Charles Poliquin side and smart from the Poliquin side. So it's kind of that balance of, you know, get really strong and then get balanced at the same time. Did
2: you uh, do um, max effort and dynamic effort days?
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we would go through phases where we would do a lot of that, and then we would uh, we would go through phases where we would just train like bodybuilders.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: We'd do like three you- months of, you know, being a bodybuilder, and then right. we would do, you know, we would do variations where we would do like dynamic days, and then on the max effort days instead of max effort, it would be like a 5% solution from Charles Polk stuff mm. that he used to do. And so it was just a, a lot of variety. So even in our powerlifting moves, we would do like block bench, chain bench, gotcha. this, that, yeah, and then all of the variety of exercises that Charles kind of came in. And I think that really does get you well prepared. And we also did, I also did a lot of sports. Um, yeah. And I think sport in itself, yeah. like I mentioned earlier, is a very valuable form of GPP mm-hmm. for another sport.
2: Were Were you a wrestler?
0: Yep, I wrestled.
2: Yeah, I thought I heard that.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We uh, I did a lot. I did a, you know, a lot of these things I didn't even consider sports until like now. Like you've talked to people and they they consider them sports. So I skateboarded. Um, oh yeah, that helps. Josh did you know, that as well. Yeah. I think
2: that that actually you've got to be quite skilled to be a decent skateboarder.
0: Yeah, for sure. And you know what I was talking about this, we were talking about plyometrics the other day.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: And, uh, you know, like, I don't know what the textbook says. It's just like, Oh yeah. You don't want to do more than 120 reps of plyometrics. Right. And then if you're a skateboarder, you're like, (laughs) I'm getting warmed up. Like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You're you know, doing whatever you're doing, it depends on the what, uh, what style of skateboarding you're doing. But
1: yeah, well, they talk yeah, a know. lot about uh, you know you, when you start plyometrics, you want to avoid an eccentric component, so maybe do box jumps. But like skateboarding's all, yeah, jump up you know, and then absorb the, the, the landing and it's all actually, eccentric yeah. loading and then yeah. fall
0: and crash.
3: And exactly. It yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: And if you're, if you're just doing like an Ollie on the flat ground, that's one thing, but if you're jumping down a staircase, yeah, exactly. If you're exploding up and then it's a deficit. Like you're landing <laughs> really hard <laughs> and absorbing that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I definitely think there's some value there, you know, yeah. Yeah. that the, it's just, just being active and doing other stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so a lot of sports, and I think that set me up well to come into weightlifting, and then just to kind of make my progress pretty quick. Right. And so I think yeah. I started weightlifting with terrible technique, and I, uh, I think I I snatched one thirty seven after six months or something. Wow. Yeah. And then clean That's and jerk. It's not much more, but uh, then I then I, I got kind of it. stuck, and I was just like, oh well, I was training on powerlifting bars, so I just set up with <laughs> like. I set some goals. It was like, all right, get training partners, get a barbell, and get a coach. Mm, yeah. And um, back then, there was actually no coaches, you know, yeah. um, on the, uh, you know, where I was at. Like, you know, I actually went on the live stream when Glenn was over there at Cal Strength, and I was like, hey, you know any coaches out in North Carolina? <laughs> and uh, he sent me to this guy, which was like five hours away from me, who, like, recreationally coached kids. Wow. Yeah. And didn't really know like like level one type coach yeah yeah and which was like that was it that like that was all that was in north carolina right you know you could have gone down to like the Coens way down in south carolina but even then right nobody knew about them. you know it right. was just like you know they weren't they weren't publicizing the only place that they were advertising was at, uh, like, the local schools with the kids there, you know, right? You couldn't look up on the internet and say, like, weightlifting gym, because the only thing that would come up would be, like, cow strength. Yeah. You know,
2: yeah, a lot has changed since, well, we, to be fair, the three of us actually probably got into weightlifting at a similar time. You yeah. just excelled far beyond us, but <laughs> um, yeah, a lot has changed in the weightlifting sort of landscape since yeah. we got involved. Like, like you said, you could search weightlifting gym and you had one result. And yeah. now everyone's a coach.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. So then when Glenn uh, Glenn announced that he was you know coming over here to uh, South Carolina and he was having tryouts. I uh, I just gotten married and um finished school and so I was just like, "Oh, you know, I actually was about to move out to Las Vegas to train with John Bros." Um, right. Except uh he was using a uh, you know, you mentioned this earlier. Yeah. Uh, a WhatsApp. Uh, it wasn't WhatsApp, it was like a Google phone number. And he didn't check his number. He didn't check his messages <laughs> on his Google number that he had on his website. And I was like, hey, I'm ready to move out. Like, give me a call back. Oh, wow. Um, and he ended up calling me back like six months after I joined Muscle Driver and was just like, hey, I just got your message. You
2: know? <laughs> Yeah, he missed out there. That yeah, would have been it a
0: turn good. of events. Yeah. That yeah, would know. have been
2: fun seeing you and Angelo Bianco on yeah. Yeah. Just the same platform.
0: Yeah. That would have been fun. Yeah. Cause I, uh, I went out there and trained with him before Angelo was uh, on his team. Mm-hmm. I trained with Pat and, um who was their 62? Oh uh, Josh, um Josh, Josh. He, yeah. he had um,
2: free female mobility. Yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, he hit depth mm-hmm. like nobody's business.
0: Yeah, I remember seeing him snatch 120. Yeah. And I was just there on like one random week. And um mm-hmm. so again, he didn't answer his phone, so I just showed up to his gym. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um and I was like, Oh, I'm here for a week, like can I train with you? And he was like <laughs> I'll let you watch. That's what John said. <laughs> <laughs> and so finally he let me train and he realized that I wasn't like,
3: that I actually yeah. had a
0: little bit of potential. And he was like, all right, you could train with us. <laughs> yeah. 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 But, uh, yeah, it it was pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there was, um, uh, Billy Bybee and, um, uh, Ian Droz mm-hmm. and, um, uh, I think Billy still runs Las Vegas Barbell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he was like top three in the nation at that time at like 2012 Nationals. Mm-hmm. Um, so they, they had some good guys over there. Yeah, But uh, then Glenn was moving uh, moving to Charlotte, and that was right down the road for me. So mm-hmm. it made a lot more sense, and uh, it turned out to be a lot better, I think. Yeah, I think I was definitely a better fit with Glenn than I would have been with John.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. and uh, Am I right in saying that Bros is closed down now?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. yeah that's what i heard i heard his yeah. uh even his his kind of showroom gym out there closed down right. so he, i think he lives in tennessee now oh really right.
1: yeah i think i think nat was like recently at his property or
0: something and like posted a picture yeah those Just two know. always meshed well together with their weightlifting memorabilia yeah 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 uh, yeah he had some cool stuff in his gym
2: yeah 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 yeah, I never went, but I had one of my one of the guys who I lived with in the UK um, who was in the original weightlifting house. He now lives in Texas, and he mm-hmm. took a trip to Bros. I remember him messaging us like, oh, I'm going to go train with John Bros. And we were all just like, holy shit, this is amazing. <laughs> it was like the coolest. Because it was the first time anyone from like our group had met someone in the USA, basically. Uh, and that was pretty cool. And he was telling us all the stories about Bros and, and the other athletes there. And he met Angelo and everything. And then I think he got a mullet because of Angelo. <laughs> <laughs> we were heavily influenced by USA weightlifting. Yeah. It's not evident. <laughs> yeah,
0: that's funny. Yeah, but, yeah. Angelo was cool. He was yeah. good. Yeah, Yeah, I've tried yeah, to reach place
1: out place. for like a for podcast or something just to chat with him and get a little more um, attention because he was a great lifter, but there's just not a lot out there about him.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and I don't know. I might be wrong, but it seemed like he was never interested in that when he was weightlifting either. Right. right. You know, he was into what he was in and he just happened to do weightlifting. Yeah. You know, yeah. that's kind of like, that's the kind of the vibe that I got from him. Um mm-hmm. Cause like, he wasn't very like um, active on social media. Right. Um And you think like, Oh, what's this guy doing? But then you meet him and it's just like, this dude is super cool. Like you would yeah. expect to see that kind of portray through, but I just don't think he was interested in, you know, putting his business all out there. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Fair enough. It's not for everybody. Yeah. Right. You know, it kind of feels like it has to be for everybody these days, Yep. especially with weightlifting and Instagram, but it really doesn't need to be like that. Mm-hmm. You know, don't need to post everything.
0: <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. yeah. yeah, yeah so I that was kind of like a, like a, the trip, in, uh, in memory lane, with all the the stuff in weightlifting, kind of in that 2012 to 2016 quad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Those well, I appreciate kind of you telling us because
2: I've always mm-hmm. had so many questions about it because yeah. it was it was the era that I grew up watching. Mm-hmm. It was you know there wasn't a lot out there to to take in. So for me, it was just a lot of videos of Cal Strength, MDUSA, and then over to to Mashalate, and you were kind of a somewhat of a running theme throughout. So yeah. it's cool to come on and and, and learn more about it.
0: Yeah. Just see the different perspectives and I'm sure yeah. you'll get a different perspective. You know, it'd be interesting. It'd be to talk to uh to get that that whole story again, because that would be kind of cool to kind of hear both sides of the story of like the Texas barbell M D yes. USA thing. I would right. have to like think about that story again because I haven't thought about it in so long. Mm-hmm. And Kind of like write down what I remember and then talk to, um, you know, who was on Texas barbell then. Maybe you can just I don't know. Ursula is probably pretty busy now with all of her and, right. Um But uh, just to, you know, to talk to somebody about that and to kind of see mm-hmm. the, the back and forth. Cause I remember they were like, um, it got pretty heated. It got pretty fun. Cause uh muscle driver had these like cheap uh, change plates that they used to have mm-hmm. that they, just, they pretty much fell apart. Just like DHS uh, plates, you know, they right. just kind of <laughs> their change plates fall apart. It was probably yeah. made in the same factory. And, uh, all of the Texas barbell people started like posting terrible reviews of them and then posting them up, <laughs> like all of their like crappy pendlay plates getting sent to the dumpster, you know, wow! <laughs> it was, uh, like the clash that happened between muscle driver and Texas barbell at 2014 nationals. I think it was, mm-hmm. it might've been 13. Mm. No, it wasn't 13. It was 14 because that was after the ice skating rink one. Oh, yeah. um, I remember not heard about that. Yeah. It was like the first time that like the team, you know, the team title at nationals was like a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be just East coast Gold just ran through yeah. Team yeah. titles because they were the only ones organized and the ones that cared about it. And then like, then people started getting interested in it. You know, it started becoming like a cool thing to win. I think after mm-hmm. 2014.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. where, where are you at now? Like what, yeah. Cause I think we talked about 2012 to 2016, you, you touched on your training after to 2017 and kind of up until this point, like with the house of weightlifting, you know, all the stuff you do, what, what are the goals? What are the plans kind of heading forward?
0: Uh, so right now, um, just trying to develop some athletes. Um, uh, we've got a few people, um, that are pretty close to getting on that, like, um, so uh, there's a qualifying total that you need to compete internationally. Mm-hmm. So I got a few people that I'm trying to get right there to kind of get their toes wet, to start doing some international competitions. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then just developing kind of a team here again. So it's, uh, when I started the gym, a lot of it was, you know, like 20 something year olds. Mm-hmm. And that was kind of like the bread and the butter. And then, uh, Then the pandemic kind of closed everything down. And actually that's where I lost most of those people, you know, a lot of them were restaurant workers or they kind of moved away. Just, you know, gyms got hit pretty hard during that. Mm -hmm. Um, and now what I'm kind of moving towards is trying to develop weightlifters from people that are not in weightlifting. Yeah. So, uh, getting like, I've got a youth class, I'm starting like little kids out in weightlifting. Um, I've got my daughter in there and she's learning how to do snatches and cleaning jerks and they're going to do their first competition in like a couple of weeks in February. Awesome. And so it's a, it's going to be a lot of fun to see like the That's little cool. kids do it. And then I'm starting to kind of develop like the teenager group too. Mm-hmm. Um, and all from people that, you know, were not weightlifters before to kind mm-hmm. of like, um, I guess that would be my biggest, uh, you know, avenue right now is to, Almost kind of grow the pool of weightlifting mm-hmm. in this yeah. area, at least. Yeah, and awesome. kind of has some fun in training. You know, yeah. my training environment is not like Glen's. Um, <laughs> uh, I will say like Glen's training environment is really good, but um, the uh, and I I have to like try to figure out how to make it as fun as Glen's. Mm-hmm. But I uh, mine is definitely set up a little bit more conservative. I hold Mm -hmm. people back a little bit more. Yeah. Um, You know, if someone's like having some issues, we go on to a phase of GPP and we kind of address those issues. Mm -hmm. Um, So they, uh, it's not quite the same as Glenn's and you know, you do kind of miss out on that. And and like right now we're actually running, um, I actually just call it a penalty phase. um, Mm -hmm. And it's like the penalty style, like, you know, effort-based training where they're kind of going out Mm -hmm. a little bit more, but I kind of have to keep that in check. Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah we do that for three months all right now we're stepping back a little bit we might go into a little bit more percentage maybe something a little bit closer to what don mm-hmm. would uh traditionally uh, program or that's, what that's the, smart yeah yeah what um i also worked with uh, david fleming which was jared fleming's dad mm-hmm. i've got a got a unique perspective from him too because uh it's that is the most volume that i've ever done was under mm-hmm. him Oh, wow. Um, which is wild. That's that also like that was my, my from best the told.
2: LSUS days that Jared started in and then his dad picked up from that? Because that volume is filthy.
0: Yeah. No, uh, I would say it was before that, so before right. LSUS. So that seems where Jared's dad kind of got his influence because I think Jared's dad was just kind of like had done weightlifting but then was just kind of developing as a coach as he was coaching Jared. Mm-hmm and like handed Jared off into LSU when he went to college, but Jared still definitely had his base. Cause he was part of East coast goal kind of as a mm-hmm. kid growing up mm-hmm. and, um, and his dad kind of mostly coached him. And uh, I think he got a lot of his stuff from, uh, from Leo Totten who was also one of my coaches uh, mm-hmm. for a couple of years um, and like the percentage style. But I think David's, Volume, he just kind of naturally gravitated towards higher volume, yeah. Um, which is interesting because then I think he ended up uh, doing really well coaching CrossFitters that could handle that volume. Yeah. Interesting, yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, um yeah, I believe
0: that. So yeah, just kind of taking influences from lots of different people, and then uh, the the main uh, the main goal is sustainability. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of uh, kind of go in with that. Uh, it's something that I had always thought about. Going into training was uh, was Chad Vaughn because he was uh, he was never like you know he was never like this huge thing that happened all of a sudden it was like year after year he yep. just kind of kept getting a little bit better a little bit better yeah and then circumstances worked out well and he was consistent and he made his first Olympic team yeah and then he was consistent for another four years and then he made another Olympic team yeah. right. So it's just like he was in the game. He did a lot of things right, which it kind of makes sense why he's doing that. Uh, he's doing like barbell mobility, mm-hmm. like, oh, OK, you know, he's probably got some pretty good, you know, life experience with a lot of these things, because, you know, as far as longevity goes, he was one of the better ones. Yeah.
2: And I think he didn't even train that frequently. I think I remember being told he his whole career was like three or four sessions a week or something like that, which is impressive
0: yeah yeah that's that's how it's uh i mean that's how i started yeah mm-hmm. i think people don't realize i think well glenn realized it because he yeah. had that whole thing like be a beginner as long as you can right yeah. but uh people don't realize how strong you can get on three times a week training mm-hmm. yeah absolutely yeah because that's I, I mean i i train with some guys and there was a guy that i train with who is uh you know, I don't think he's the most explosive person that I've ever trained with now that I've been around a little bit longer, but for the longest time, this kid that I trained with at my high school was like significantly stronger and and significantly more explosive than kind of, than probably 95% of the people that I've trained with. And that includes like, you know, Jared Fleming might give him like a run for his money because Jared was pretty explosive, but, um, this just one random dude that I trained with was really yeah. explosive and really, uh, just really strong. Yeah. And it's yeah. just, you get in with a group and then you you kind of get that training environment and then you get yeah. better and better. Yeah. yeah, Totally. That's cool.
2: Um, gents, I hate to have to do this. I've got a, a meeting in a few minutes. Yeah, yeah. I need to get to. <laughs>
0: sure. Nope. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, my, uh, my kids are being real patient, but uh, yeah, we're, <laughs> they're all home from school today because we all got covid so oh damn so yeah this would be a good a, good ending point yeah so, i appreciate you guys coming on yeah, yeah of course that yeah, was I fun
2: just, it's great to sit down for an hour and learn about things that i've always wanted to know exactly yeah <laughs> i feel like everyone's got a slightly different perspective on what happened there so yeah just helps the context yep yeah
3: awesome